So all of heaven is watching the earth all the time, looking for a man or a woman that's going to use the Word of God, that's going to speak the Word of God, that's going to move on the Word of God. And when they do, heaven moves. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, so the preacher boys, the Bible school students, said to the prophet, Elisha, Behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us, too small. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, the Jordan River, and take thence every man a beam or some lumber. Let's go cut down some lumber. And let us make a place there where we may dwell. And the prophet answered them and said, Go ye. Go on. And one of them said to him, uh, uh, Be content, sir, and go with your servants. And he said, Okay, I'll go with you. So they went down, he went with them, and they came into Jordan, and they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. I don't know how many of you guys and girls have ever cut wood with axes, but sometimes the axe head slides off the end. You know, when you go buy an axe, you know, at Walmart or something, the, 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 the part where the, where the actual head is will be fatter, you know, so, so the axe head won't slide off the end. But it wasn't like that back in these days. So this guy was, and I mean, I've cut down trees and cut down and cut down trees in the jungles of Panama. I mean, hard ironwood. It, it, boy, you hit it and it just hurts your whole body. Just, it hurt, you know, just hardwood. And, and, and so he hit that tree, and when he did, the axe head came off. He went out in the river. Okay, y'all with me? Yes, sir. And uh, he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. Isn't that strange that he'd, he'd say to the prophet of God? You think he'd run to the hardware store and buy another one? How many guys today would lose something and, 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 and even dream about calling the pastor and saying, Hey, you're the man of God, pray. <laughs> but that's what this guy thought the first thing he thought was tell the prophet tell the man of God right we, we ought to get back in that mindset we ought to get back in that supernatural mindset that we're, we're, we're living on this planet but we're not just mere men we don't have to act like our neighbors amen alas master for it was borrowed in the man of God the prophet said well where did it fall and he showed him the place out there in the, out there in the middle of the river. And uh, he cut down a stick and threw it in there, and the iron did swim. Say, the iron, the iron did, swim. did swim. The iron, the iron did, swim. did swim. Four little words. The iron, the iron did swim. Now, I've heard people talk about this over the years, and they say something about the axe head floated. Oh, no, no, it didn't float. It swam. Come on. What's it? Come on. Come on. Now, this iron axe head was at the bottom of the river, and it was a ways out there. Otherwise, he'd have just reached down there and picked it up. 
And when that prophet threw that stick out there, that, that iron, that, that impossible defying the laws of gravity came from the bottom of the river in the mud and the silt, came to the top, and then swam over to the edge. And the prophet said to him, uh, take it up. And he just reached down and picked it up. See, it's supernatural. The iron did swim. The iron did swim. If you'd say that about a thousand times today, and when you go home this afternoon and then tomorrow at lunch and the next day, and to get that in your spirit to where you're saying what they sing, the Lord's done so much for me, I can't even tell it all. And when the devil comes to you and says, that's not going to work this time, honey, you say, yeah, but uh, the iron did swim. <laughs> what you going to do with that? You couldn't stop the iron from swimming. It's iron. It can't swim. You, it was at the bottom of the river in the mud in the silt, and you couldn't even stop that. Now, that's how this missionary has lived for the last 55 years. The devil tells me all over the world, hey, he's going to kill me, kill my kids, kill my wife, kill everything, stop the ministry, do this, do that, eat me up, spit me out. And I say to him, uh, <clears throat> the iron did swim. Uh, the blind did see. Uh, the children of Israel walked over on dry ground. The walls of Jericho came falling down. <laughs> Goliath got it in the forehead <laughs> and got his head cut off. I mean, you just keep going and keep going. The Lord's just done so much we can't tell it all. I preached this message or similar message to it up in little old town up in Texas here a while back up in Wills Point, Texas. And, uh, and a kid was sitting there, a teenage kid was sitting there that's on the, lo on the local high school football team. And it just pulled his chain. So he went and got him an ink pen and he wrote, the, on his fingers, the iron did swim. And on this one he wrote, the iron did swim. And so when he'd get down in his football stance and a game, the guy across the room said, the iron did swim, what's that about? He said, I'm about to show you. And, and needless to say, their team went to state. <laughs> and he told his whole team, he said, listen, guys, we're going to win this game. The iron did swim. God is a miracle working God. This isn't dependent on the laws of gravity. This isn't dependent on our ability. This is dependent on the Holy Ghost showing up and helping us because it's a matter of fact the iron did swim. Yes. Amen. The devils were cast out. Yes. Jesus said, take up your bed and walk. And he did. Yes. He arose and took up his bed and went to his house. Yes. Amen. Amen. Peter and John went to the temple. And they'd been to that temple. There's no telling how many times they've been to that temple. Because it was the law. I miss the Old Testament. It was the law. You had to go to church. Yeah, that's right. Everybody in town had to go to church. You didn't sleep in. Yeah. 
You didn't go fishing or hunting. You went to church first. It was the law. I missed that. I wish it still was. And uh, so they'd been to that temple through that gate. Beautiful. All of their life. There's no telling how many times they'd been there. And there was a crippled guy that had been sitting there his entire life. Crippled, the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, 3 and 4, from his mother's womb. In verse, verse 22 of chapter 4, actually says he's over 40 years old. So he's been sitting there over 40 years. He's a beggar. He's a licensed beggar. He's an approved beggar. His job is to sit right there and say, alms, alms for the poor, alms. There's no telling how many times Peter and John had passed him. But they'd never, ever, 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 ever passed him before when it's full of the Holy Ghost. Because Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came. The day of Pentecost came and they was in the upper room. When I first got out of the army, I went straight to, the, to Mexico, to the mission fields. And uh, I, I spent time with a missionary named Wayne Myers. Wayne's 100 years old this year, still preaching. And I ran into a lifestyle that absolutely pricked my heart, grabbed hold of me. I saw a, a man that was living to give. I mean, he, he, was, he was living his life on planet Earth with the purpose of blessing somebody, lifting somebody, embracing somebody. And I saw that. I said, ah, this is it. I, this is the, I'm, I'm embracing this. And I right there made a vow to God and to myself. And I said, this is how I will live the rest of my life, living to give because it's the very nature of God. So I want to encourage you to hook up with that same lifestyle of giving. I mean, embrace it, living to give. And you can give to your local church. You can give to other ministries. I've partnered with ministries since around the world since I was a teenager. And I tell you, God's blessed me for it. I wouldn't trade it. You can also partner with us. We're always happy to embrace partners. We pray for them every day. But as long as you hook up with that concept, that lifestyle of God, living to give, then it'll be a blessing to others and it'll certainly be a blessing to you. Because Acts chapter 2, the Holy Ghost came. The day of Pentecost came and they was in the upper room, 120 of them, and they got the Holy Ghost. And Peter, who 50 days before was a coward, Usually when I say this in other states, I say, I don't know how this state is, but in Texas, we don't like cowards. He had a yellow streak down his back. (laughs) Denied Jesus three times. Cursed him and said, blankety blank, blank, blank. I don't know the man. He's a coward. But on the day of Pentecost, he got the Holy Ghost. He wasn't a coward anymore. And on that Pentecost Sunday, he stood up and said, Ye men of Israel, Acts 2.22, Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus is a man approved of God by signs, wonders, and miracles, which God did by him right in your face. He said, which ye ye yourselves also know, because he did it right in your face. And he said, our crooked rulers, our wicked rulers took him and buried him, but the grave couldn't hold him, and he rose again. And 3,000 people got saved. Wasn't a coward anymore. 
And so then day later, a couple of days later, him and John went to church. Passed that same beggar they had passed a gazillion times before. And that beggar looked at them like he had done a gazillion times before. And said, oh, no. And this time, Peter looked at him and made that famous statement, Angie. Yep. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And we're in Texas. Y'all speak Spanish, right? It, it sounds so much better in Spanish. <laughs> Spanish just sounds better. And Peter looked at him and he said, Plata ni oro no tengo, pero lo que tengo te doy. En el nombre de Jesucristo de Nazaret, levántate y anda. It just sounds better. It just sounds better. Levántate, get up. Amen. Levántate, get up. Y anda, walk. And the Bible says, Yel fue saltando, brincando y alabando a Dios. And he went leaping and running and praising the Lord. Amen. 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 I mean, miracles begin to happen because those boys got the Holy Ghost. And so, here comes the townspeople and here comes the church people. And they wanted to sweep that under the rug. Uh They said, How can we hide it? How can we hide it? I don't know why they wanted to hide it, but they wanted to hide it. You thought they'd printed banners up and said, Miracle Crusade. (laughs) The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, they didn't. They wanted to hide it. In fact, they arrested them. And then they kept trying to figure out, what are we going to do with them? What are we going to do with them? What are we going to do? In Acts chapter 4, it says uh, that while they were trying to figure that out, Peter just stood up and preached. (laughs) And 5,000 got saved. So they were down to just, they started with 70 disciples and 12 disciples. So there's 82 of them. And then at the crucifixion, they all split, including the, the mother of Jesus. Mary left. Peter left. Peter went fishing. Peter said, I go fishing. Now, he didn't mean I go fishing like me and Jim mean when we say we go fishing. We mean we're going to go out here and drown some worms and we'll be back after a while. <laughs> That's not what Peter meant. Peter meant I was a professional fisherman when he found me. And I gave that up to go with him, and this didn't work. So I'm going back to what I used to do. Peter backslid. I've had people tell me, hey, Brother Terry, Peter didn't backslide. I can prove he did. I can prove he did. The last chapter of Mark, when the ladies came to the tomb, the angel said, uh, uh, he, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Now you ladies, go tell his disciples and Peter that he's risen. That angel didn't even consider Peter a disciple anymore. He'd scratched him off. He, he used to have him on speed dial. Now he's, he's, he deleted it. <laughs> you go tell his disciples, oh, and by the way, tell Peter that he's risen. Amen. But they had all left. They didn't any of them believe he was going to raise from the dead. He looked him in the eyeball and said, I'm going to, I'm, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to get up in three days. None of one of them believed it, including his mama. Terry, how do you know that? Because none of them were there three days later. If he'd have told this bunch, hey, they're going to kill me, but I'm going to be back in three days, we'd, we'd go out to the cemetery with our accordions and our tambourines and our <laughs> video recorders and our fried chicken, and, and we, man, we'd have camp meeting. Or, or, or would we? They didn't. 
They didn't. They didn't. His own mama didn't go out there. They saw him die. They saw his intestines hanging out. They saw his spine visible. They saw the horror. In fact, when Isaiah prophesied it, he said he didn't even look human. He didn't even look human because all the sin of the world came on him. All the disease hit him. Cancer hit him. and AIDS hit him. and All of these things hit him and hit him and hit him and hit him. He didn't even look human. So when they buried him, they said, well, that didn't work. Amen. See, now Peter got, I mean, Thomas got in trouble for that. But he wasn't any more guilty than they were. He just got caught. The other disciples had all seen him, and Thomas had not. So in John chapter 20, they were all gathered together in the room. The doors were locked. And they said, Thomas, we've seen him. We've seen the master. We've seen Jesus. He said, come on, guys. I know you say that, but I I saw him. I saw him. Unless I can put my finger in those holes, unless I can put my hand in that And Jesus just walked in the room, you know, materialized. He said, Thomas, put your finger here. Put your hand here. And don't be faithless. 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 Without faith. But believing. And Thomas fell on the ground and said, my Lord and my God. And he said, now, Thomas, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those that believe and haven't seen. He wasn't talking about those other disciples. They didn't even believe it. He wasn't talking about his mama. She didn't believe it. He's talking about you. Talking about you. You haven't seen it, but you believe it. Amen. The iron did swim. The dead were raised. The leper was cleansed. So they came to that guy and said, hey, 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 hey. Quit jumping and leaping and running and praying. You, don't you know those guys are bad guys? He said, I don't know about that. I just, they said, miracles have passed away. They're not doing miracles anymore. And he said, well, you know. <laughs> I'm over 40 years old and I've never stood up before. I've never jumped before. I've never run before. <laughs> so look at this. <laughs> Isn't that right? They came, to Jesus, they came to a blind guy that Jesus had just healed, and they said, hey, 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 that guy that healed you, he's a bad guy. And that blind guy said, I don't know if he's a Republican or a Democrat. <laughs> All I know, I was blind, and now I see. See, the proof of the puddings in eating. John the Baptist got arrested because of that wicked woman, and uh, they're going to kill him. And so he got a little offended at Jesus because Jesus hadn't rescued him. So he sent his couple of disciples to Jesus and said, uh, uh, Jesus, uh, John wants to know if you're the one that's to come, or should we be looking for somebody else? And Jesus said, uh, boys, go back and tell cousin John what you've seen and heard. The blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk. The poor have the gospel preached to them. Oh, and by the way, 
tell Cousin John, it might be a really good time not to be offended in me. This might be a good time to not be offended. Amen. But see, Jesus said the proof of the pudding didn't eat. That's what Peter said. He said, Jesus was a man approved of God with signs, with wonders, and with miracles. Amen. See, the signs, the wonders, and miracles were God's stamp of approval. He said, I approve this message. Right? Well, see, signs, wonders, and miracles today are still the approval of God. Devils and demons can't do miracles. And I'm, I'm amazed sometimes over, the, over my many years in the ministry that sometimes the church doesn't like miracles and sometimes preachers don't like miracles and sometimes word of faith preachers don't, and sometimes my friends don't like miracles. And I've had them come to me and say, Terry, why do you feel like you always have to get up and tell miracles? And I say, well, why don't you like them? I had one big name minister, friend of mine, come to me and chewed me up for telling about miracle stories. And I said, do you just not like them because you don't have any? What's your problem? I had another very famous guy come to me, and he said, Harry, you need to not tell about miracles. And I said, I said, well, I noticed that when you get somebody healed of a headache, that you'll take a whole 30 minutes in your sermon and tell about it. You'll give every detail and every, every point of it, and finally end in a crescendo of the thing where healed of the headache. We ought to examine ourselves and say, why don't we like miracles? Why don't we like healing? Why don't we like prosperity? I've had people say to me all my years of ministry, say, why do you guys think you need to always preach on faith and miracles and, and healing and prosperity? I said, well, what do you want us to preach on? You want us to preach on unbelief and sickness and disease and poverty? Let's have a three-day seminar on how to be sick. I think we know how to be sick. Let's have seven steps on how to be poor. I think we know how to be poor. But we don't live by this standard. We live by God's standard. We live in the, the Iron Did Swim Camp. Amen. We don't think like other people. You know, I've always said there should be a difference between atheists and disciples. If you're thinking like an atheist and talking like an atheist and acting like an atheist, there's something wrong. Renee said to a crowd the other day, she said, if you're still in church, you've been in church 20 years and you, you're still fussing about having to go to church or the preacher preaching too long or about paying tithes or giving all, you're still, you're still sucking your thumb and arguing over tithing. You should have matured along the way somewhere. You just obviously don't even understand the Bible. My, my, my spiritual dad, Wayne Myers, he was talking about just turned a hundred in, in August and still preaching. And, uh, and I've known him since I was 18 years old. That's 55 years. And, uh, you know, he, he, he taught me, he taught me a lifestyle, not a message, not a sermon. He taught me a lifestyle of living to give all those years ago. And then he lives it. I mean, he's a faith missionary and I've seen him give more money than most anybody, you know, just believing in. He's the one that said, you know, when you give because you can't help it, you receive because you can't stop it. 
He said to me the other day, he said, he, of course, he told me this a hundred times over the years, but I always act like it's new. And he, and he said, he said, you know, son said, there's a Mexican, there's a Mexican proverb that says, when God gives you a blessing, he, he supplies a sack to take it home in. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? God, God's, a, God's abundance, God's healing, God's miracles. Amen. God, God is God. And it's amazing to me how the church doesn't seem to even understand God and don't seem to understand prosperity or giving or healing or miracles or lifestyle or honor. The church in England called me a couple of months ago and said, uh, would you do us a Zoom meeting on, on honor? I said, you talk about your spiritual fathers and you show honor and stuff. And we, we'd like you to get that in our, in our church. We, we don't know about honor. See, the whole Bible's about honor. Isn't that right? Amen. <laughs> see, we're, see, the church is supposed to be making history and changing history. Amen. Pastor asked me the other night at dinner, he said, have you ever been to Cuba? I said, Funny you should say that, <laughs> you know. And I said, yeah, lots of times. I've preached there for dec decades. And I said, in fact, uh, God used us in a supernatural way to bring Christmas back to Cuba. Because in 1959, when Fidel Castro took over the presidency, the first thing he did is every communist uh, dictator does, as, o as Barack Obama tried to do when he was in office, uh, says there's no Christmas. Y'all remember Mr. Obama telling us that? He said, don't say Merry Christmas. Yes. That's right. He said, you say Happy Holiday. Uh -huh. And he said, you do not have a Christmas tree. You have a holiday tree. And when he said that, I said, I've heard that lying socialist, communist devil. I, I hadn't been to all the communist countries in the world, but I've been to most of them. I know communism. I understand communism. Most Americans don't understand it. I understand. I've been there, done that. I've been with heads of state, been with the governors, been with leaders. Listen to that nonsense. I've even grabbed a couple of them and thrown them up against the wall. I had to have my guys, Lynn, and some other guys drag me off of them because I hate communism. And by proxy, I pretty much hate communists. <laughs> when I get them saved and turn them into Christian, I love them, but I don't. But the first thing they do is say there's no Christmas. See, you cannot have a communist country. You can't. It's impossible. You cannot have a communist country if you have a strong church and a strong middle class. Mom and pop stores. Can't do it. Communism cannot exist if you have a strong church and a strong middle class. And I've watched it all my life in these communist countries. And uh, three years ago, right here in the United States of America, I mean the red, white, and blue, land of the free, home of the bread. I mean, I mean, our government attacked the church and the middle class. Hello, everybody. Renee and I just want to remind you that the greatest miracle of all time and the only eternal miracle is salvation. So uh, let's just do that right now. Pray this prayer after me. Father God, I come before you today to accept Jesus. I believe in my heart Jesus is the Son of God. I call on you today according to your word. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash me in your blood. Make me a new creature. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, and I'll serve you the rest of my days in Jesus' name. 
If you prayed that prayer, the Bible says you're saved. You're born again. So write us, let us know, tell somebody that you prayed with Terry and Renee and that you gave your heart to Jesus. We love you. God bless you. 